So, hopefully you're able to rejoin. I don't know if this is then going out on the same stream. These are all good learning experiences. Here we are, 10th show, and I managed to choke by not even turning my mixing board on. You should be able to hear me now. And I'm, I look like I'm, I'm going to be joined by Anna Maria, which is good. Anna Maria, can you wave if you can hear me? I can see you in our little lobby. So I'm going to bring you in in a second. Um, sorry for those that were on the other stream and have, have then ended up losing me. Um, we're, we're back on. Um, if it's joined that same stream, then fine. But otherwise, yeah, I might have lost some listeners there. Uh, but I thought I'd just stop it and start it again so that we can then put this out on the podcast and stuff with, with the actual sound working. So apologies for that. Massage Matters, I was, I was describing uh, the show that we've, we're going to be curating into the Physio Matters feed, but also that's going to have its own standalone. And it's going to be trying to reform some of the understanding and, and the conceptions around how we apply manual techniques, etc., in the industry, because the big contentions are around some of the spurious claims as what we can and can't do with our hands. But it's still a really appropriate and, and socially prevalent intervention that therefore needs to be reconceptualized. And so to have met some soft tissue therapists that are supportive of all that we're doing with MSK reform, recognizing the integration of different professions within it, recognizing the need for us to raise standards across the board and to be consistent. So to meet therapists that, that, that believe in that, but also can articulate their side of that and, and a, 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 in such a way that then can really change the industry on their side of it. It's just a fascinating thing. And so we really wanted to collaborate. And the Massage Matters podcast is just one of the ways in which we're going to do that. I've got one of the Massage Collective on the that I'm going to be able to bring in now I always get these wrong uh, when I bring people in so apologies for the clunkiness of this but let's just hide the frame and let's see if I can bring Anna Maria in here Anna Maria can you hear us I can hear you very very well thank you very much well I think as far as I can tell um I think your sound's working all right for everyone else but now I'm not able to uh I can't hear you try again can you hear me now? I mean, my husband will say that that, that it's a benefit not to be able to hear me. Matt and Becky, they usually have to mute me because I take over the show. Can you hear me, Jack? You <laughs> see, I'm 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 picking up little bits of it, but if uh, in case in case uh, hopefully you can still hear me, and hopefully everyone can hear me, but and hopefully everyone can hear you, but I'm just not getting you through, Anna Maria. So whilst I'm sorting that out, please just tell us all about what it is you're doing, what we're doing with uh, the Massage Matters podcast, but forgive me, I can't hear you at the moment. So first of all, this is a bit of a last minute and I'm literally between clients. So if uh, if I have to go quickly because my client comes in, comes in I, I apologize. So my name is Anna Maria Mazzieri. I am a soft tissue therapist. I've been working in the industry for the last uh, 18 plus year, years and I got together with my colleagues Max Kasbrook and Becky Demohote, fellow soft tissue therapists, to create a, create a project called the Massage Collective. And the project was to bring uh, a bit of evidence base into manual therapy, hands-on therapy. We know that evidence is not supportive of uh, techniques, Actually, we know that through the biopsychosocial model of uh, pain, there is great value in bringing uh, in bringing the therapeutic alliance. Great value in bringing that uh, 
um, relaxation and the removal of threat from a client uh, pain. And we think that massage therapy and manual therapy in general, they have great value in order to re re reduce and remove the threat. What also we believe is that until now, unfortunately, for different reasons, massage therapy and manual therapy have been understood, or indeed the mechanisms have been understood in a way in which we know that they're not really biologically plausible. So we are trying to bring with the language that we, have, we hope people will understand and we hope that people will respond to, try to bring that reframe and reconceptualization of the benefit of soft tissue therapy. In its, and for us, what it is and why we're really, because until now we have been taking techniques, individualizing them and applying them to a condition, to a treatment, to an injury. We need to go back and think and profile the client, the patient, instead of the injury itself. So a technique in itself will never be, will never be beneficial. It is the whole package of the therapeutic relationship, the subjective, the objective, the understanding the client values, understanding uh, where the client is within the um, progression, within that uh, pain um, path they, they are in. And this is all part of the treatment. You cannot, we cannot isolate treatments or minimize the benefit of, of the relationship with the, the therapist into the treatment itself. And you know, I know that I know that there is this great criticism about manual therapy that manual therapy is a passive approach. What makes it passive is not the intervention, it's the therapist. You can have the most uh, um, active intervention, but if the therapist creates dependency, that is negative. So you can be a massage therapist, a manual therapist, and you... Oh, sorry. I'm sorry, what, what I'm, I'm, I'm probably interrupting you at the wrong time here. I've got a bit of a delay going on here. So I know that your, your sound's playing really well. My sound seems to be working fine now. But I've actually got you playing in my ear, but I think it's like 10 seconds behind. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really sorry. Like I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm no. going to catch you up. Me. You're me. It's been what I've just listened to um, <laughs> has been a perfect summary of, of why we're wanting to work together. But unfortunately, there's a sort of conversational element that I'd like to have now it's just not going to work because I'm just not getting your audio through in real time, Anna Maria. So I'm really sorry. What we'll do is, we'll, well, to be honest, we're going to be hearing from the Massage Collective in many different ways. But thank you so much for coming on and, and being able to sort of summarize a little bit about what we've got planned. Sorry about the technical glitches that are compromising no this at the moment. However, what I'm, what I'm, ex <laughs> what so I'm excited for. Come and listen for. to us. Come and listen to us. <laughs> well, what we'll do is we're, we're going to we're going to plan this not last minute. Um, 
to be honest, we knew we were doing a bit of an announcement. We just didn't expect everyone to be quite as excited about it. We thought we might build that up over the course of the week, but everyone's really craving it. Great. This coming Great. Sunday, which happens to be my birthday, by the way, we're going to be having a big celebration. Oh, and, uh, launching the first Massage Matters podcast. So people do tune into that. Anna Maria, sorry about the conversation not being able to flow, but I'm going to... Um, I'm going to love you and leave you for now. And we're going to chew over some of the other topics we have planned. Thank you so much for joining us. And I look forward to watching uh, this all back when I can catch the rest of your audio. So thanks a lot for everything. Thank you. Right. Okay. Sorry about that, everyone. I'm, um, from what I can tell, it's playing through okay. Now that I've actually turned my soundboard on, it's actually working. But uh, yeah, I wasn't able to hear Anna Maria in real time. And so it definitely did compromise that. And so apologies, I couldn't have the back and forth with her that I'd like. So really, uh, really exciting and interesting lady who's got so many, so much to share. And I'm so excited for you guys to be able to hear more from her and her team, Matt and Becky. Uh, just, a, just a wonderful plan that we've got in place that I'm looking forward to executing and having heard some of the episodes that we've got uh, lined up for you. The big thing is that we, we need to be uh, more specific in context to try and offer some of the reforms and changes and, and progressions through different parts and corners of the industry in which there's, we're not able through Physiomatters as a monthly show to really zoom in on the issues that we need to and to speak a language that's appropriate for entry-level massage therapists and students and things like that where of course the materials that were produced on physiomatics hopefully are appropriate and don't get me wrong we're not suggesting that anything needs dumbing down but it's just that they're speaking the language of that industry that side of the industry is appropriate and we need to make sure it's translated make sure that we take people on a journey and so what they've got planned is just super exciting so i'm really excited for you guys to see it now what I want to uh, what I want to make sure we, we get a chance to cover is the other stuff that I said we would chew over on this, uh, which is that there's um, a big uh, big announcement from us with regards to massage matters, but then also it's been a time of, uh, of of great disruption as of yesterday in many ways, where there's further restrictions, especially for UK therapists, are going to be trying to work out how the rule of six might affect them. Now, when it comes to one to one interactions of care, that's probably going to be less disrupted. However, class based stuff. Uh, is, is going to be challenging and sometimes it's sort of what the social guidance is for gatherings uh, is to more than six but could you could you if you had the space still offer a clinical service to more than six people and, and those things are really challenging and contentious as per usual I'm going to be pointing you in the direction of the physio and therapist support group run by Gemma Oliver and team uh, where the, those discussions are had much more thoroughly than I would cover them here however what I wanted to mention is the fact that these let's not underestimate the fact that these the oohs and ahs of changing business practices and the challenges that we face when these things come in on a on a monday and you might have only a few days to sort of do that and how you manage to feed that forward to your patients and and care teams or staff that might be coming in or out of furlough or returning to building their lists back up and how that gets managed i just want to make sure i i, I plant a flag here and say that that uh, my fellow business owners, fellow therapists, wherever you are, whatever it is you're doing, I continue to take my hat off to you. It's an incredibly challenging time, and I don't want anyone to underestimate or 
potentially be in a context in which things are more straightforward than others. Please do not underestimate just how incredibly disruptive this is on every level of analysis, both in terms of clinical care delivery, which is, of course, the primary thing that we want to help patients with and how we help patients is being changed. And we're always considering how to be as safe as, as well as effective as we can. But also, please don't underestimate the disruptions to businesses and on an economic level as to how we're going to try and keep all these things going, keep the lights on, etc. And it's a hugely challenging time. And so what I wanted to make sure we said is that the, the, the rule of six is going to be disruptive in, in many ways to people's plans and lives, but also the way in which we kind of understand how that maps on to healthcare and that maps on to services in MSK is, is going to be an ever-changing thing. And we're going to be learning as we go along. And so there's going to be different opinions. There's no way that Public Health England are going to suddenly declare, right, this is for MSK therapists. They're not going to suddenly be as explicit as that. And so as we all start to learn and interpret guidance, please bear in mind that as professionals, we're going to be applying that as sensibly as we can. But then also really coming to understand why we would why we would give each other the leeway and and and, and allow ourselves to learn as a, as a community, but also give each other the space to potentially make mistakes, but still within safe parameters, right? You know, it's not as if one of those mistakes is someone going to be cavalier, take all their PPE off and start licking patients' faces, right? We're not sort of describe circumstances where mistakes will get made in which people are going to be really cavalier about it. People are appropriately cautious, following the letter of the law in every which way. New guidance comes in around visors or new guidance comes in around rules of six and, and, and how many people can be can cross over distance and things like that it is tough stuff and so give each other the room give each other the space and as we learn as we go um i, I just think we need to make sure we're appropriate on that that's uh, certainly something that i'm interested in your thoughts on uh, and whether or not you feel these things are a uh, Sometimes they get overblown, whether you think as an industry we've, we've dealt with it well or not. I mean, I'm interested in your thoughts, but I did want to make sure that I uh, chuck my two pennies worth in there on this uh, on this soapbox that I have now on weekdays. Thanks to those of you that have stuck around on live whilst we've been uh, suffering with some tech issues there. Um, we'll definitely be able to, to, to learn as we go on this, and, and I feel like I do understand how some of these problems are emerging. Um, what I wanted to, to visit is that I want to make sure I share my opinion on a broad sense as well. That's my opinion on industry, but also how it's affecting society right now. COVID is, is a massive topic and not something I can cover in the five minutes. I'm just going to nod to it. But it's definitely something that there's some really fascinating work that's emerging around. The big question is whether or not the spike in cases that we're recognizing as we might enter what might be considered a second wave. Will a second wave of cases turn into a second surge into healthcare services, which would mean hospital admissions and then, of course, the, the sequelae of, of serious disease and, and potential death, particularly in and around the demographics of which we know can suffer most from, from COVID. Let's not, um, let's not, pretend that that is not a hugely contested issue as well as a really important one for us to consider not necessarily considering for healthcare practice but i'm just meaning in general like that that's going to really matter those things are needing to be analyzed and and so let's not i think it'd be naive to do one or two things one is to recognize that we've not improved our management and understanding of covid in such a way that it'd be disappointing if the ratio between um sort of positive cases either found and tested or, or assumed and the actual sort of 
disease rate and death rate, if that isn't appropriately mitigated by our learning over the last six months and beyond, then that would be really disappointing, I think, naive. But secondly, if we were to then be complacent in that direction and think, well, we understand it better now, start making some of the mistakes that were being made early doors, which is it's just a, it's just a strain of flu, don't worry about it. And we were to therefore think that a spike in cases is of completely no relevance and shouldn't be being approached with some caution politically or otherwise, then um, then I think that's that's two sides of it that would be clumsy. Right? I don't think it's going to be exactly the same, but equally it's not going to be vastly different in such a way that it's going to be completely unserious and shouldn't be taken appropriately seriously in terms of careful view of the statistics and understanding of the disease. And that that's me speaking now just as a citizen and, and someone that's evaluating this in terms of how we all go about our behaviours. Um, I think that's something that we just need to consider. The um, the the final thing that I wanted to to chew over, and uh, for those of you that are still still tuned in tuned in live, then please do feel free to to weigh in on any of this. But it's definitely one that I'm going to leave hanging for another episode to get stuck into, especially without us having to have the compromises we've had to make today. But there's a really lovely tweet put out uh, by a lad called Keith. Graham, I think his surname is, and he was flabbergasted, frustrated at the fact that a, a local therapist had seen a, a, a back pain patient in this instance that had been signed up for twice weekly care for several months. I think it was total of 21 sessions or something like that. Uh, that Then you got a hefty discount if you paid in advance, but that was what they were suggesting was a course of treatment that needed to be sort of signed up for. And he was making a point about that being just so frustrating and something that he just was wanting to seek to change. Now, I totally agree with that. Now, there were some instances, um, and it takes for the context to be really tight for me to be comfortable with that style style of management. The biggest one being that if someone was to have an ACL, and particularly an ACL re reconstruction, or you see them um, for both parts of that, then there may well be packages of care that you might well be delivering and, and, and under the knowledge that they're highly likely to be indicated that the 10th session that you've planned with them is still as clinically appropriate as the first one. Whereas if you've seen someone for back pain and the oohs and ahs and variation that can occur within a course of care, then to pitch someone a package that's quite tightly bound um, and also that is then there's clearly going to be some some monetary gain there that's kind of fueling that reasoning. It would be too charitable, I think, for us to suggest that that's someone giving a really accurate, sensible, evidence-informed prognosis, that therefore they have a really good and sensibly justified case for why they're doing that. I, can't, I just don't buy that. I'm not willing to be that naive. And so what Keith's been saying on Twitter and something that I definitely want your opinion on either now or one for a future episode is I just want to know what the parameters are, whether it's something that you guys feel that you do occasionally, whether it be certain specific conditions, whether it be that different styles of practice warrant different things. Now, I have absolutely no problem in packages or memberships and things like that. We're even looking at a membership package, which is going to encompass different products here at Choose Health, when fundamentally our physiotherapy care is often, you know, we average sort of one and two, one and three. So it's one and one, one and 2.7 follow-ups assessment and 2.7 follow-ups is our typical average. And so we, we, and, and we, you know, it's pay as you go. Um, and so, you know, I'm not for a second though, not open to options in which in certain conditions or certain circumstances in which packages of care might be pre-packaged and therefore sometimes prepaid 
But I want to hear those contexts because I'm super suspicious, right? I think my, my default, admittedly, is to be like, considering that to be pretty, uh, you know, I think that's selling sickness, for want of a better term, uh, as its primary. My instinct is to be deeply suspicious in that direction. And then for me to understand the context might justify the action rather than it being that, right, keep an open mind. Let's just trust every which professional that that is probably highly indicated. That's a sensible analysis of the prognosis, et cetera. And then to add some skepticism in specific contexts. I default the other way. My instincts are that that is dubious as standard and therefore gets justified. ACL being an example of that and in certain circumstances, occupational health packages and, and return to work sort of care where you can sort of define the parameters of it. That's my default. Skepticism as, as an instant, an instinct, sorry, and then start to understand it better when you hear the context out. What do you think? Because this is something that I definitely want to discuss more. Uh, the way in which i think we've got to uh try and understand how that balance plays out because why do we need to why do we need to think in this direction it's the overlap between clinical effectiveness and medical ethics it's massively important especially in private practice but arguably especially on the taxpayer's purse you can make an argument for that if there was someone doing that as a matter of just sensible you know an algorithm computer says 10 sessions and you're just going through the motions and they're just on a conveyor belt it's poor care delivery but also it's wasteful and the experience that that patient's going to have with with us is, is going to be completely compromised um considering what we know about the oohs and ahs and the trial and error trial and improvement we've got to we've got to consider and um, we've got to consider these things. And, and even though they're difficult conversations, even if we know someone up the road that's going to take offense to the fact that that's sort of what they've built their business on is re return care, uh, prepay, obliging people into stuff. You've only got that you know, one moment in which you've got to sell to them rather than persuading them as, you, as time goes that, that, that they should be compliant within the treatment plan. You know, I get it from a business level, but medical ethics wise, I'm, I'm super concerned and, and, I, and I'm fairly confident on my instincts there. And uh, I'm generally interested in what you guys think. I've got a couple of comments here. One by Paula Clayton, who was on the phone to earlier. We had a great chat, me and Paula earlier. So hi, Paula. Thanks for joining. I'm clearly not totally sick of my voice, which is lovely. Had a guy book in for loads of sessions in advance, multi-ligament knee. Um, now, there's no discount. It's going to be a long road of rehab. However, we, if we don't need all the sessions, I'll refund the money. It's his request. It wasn't, you know, that, that's exactly the sort of thing. Like the context gives detail to the circumstances in which it's appropriate, um, which is the right way around. And of course, you know, I, I, no surprise there. Um, ethical care by, by Paula Clayton, of course. John White. Hi, John. Nice to have you here. Spot on. Agree. Something like an ACL, maybe you can plan for. However, everything else has so many variables, it's impossible to know how many sessions are required. Fantastic point from John. He actually goes on here. This is lovely. Thank you. We also average 3.7 sessions per patient. We set this on short-term goals being achieved to complete to their long-term goal. And patients often ask how many, always ask how many sessions they think it may have been set by the industry expectations. But he agrees with my points. I'm really interested in this conversation, definitely not wanting to cap it now. And I know we're out of time in part because of my mistakes early doors with my mic not being on, as well as me, unfortunately, not being able to hear Anna Maria, although I'm going to be listening back and uh, hearing her words of wisdom from earlier. Thank you so much for the contribution, especially to Paula and John there at the end. Please do. I'll, I'll flag this for another day for when we're going to be able to revisit this topic. Um, 
possibly Thursday. I'd love to get stuck into that. Let's make it the headline talking point on Thursday. But tomorrow we're talking about education. We've got Jane Ashbrook and a colleague of hers. Sorry, the names left me now. Um, but we're going to be talking about student placements, the disruptions to education and the way in which we can best integrate as an MSK industry to offer uh, better learning experiences, both uh, virtually and in person for students in this very challenging time. So we're going to have Jane Ashbrook and a colleague on tomorrow to discuss that. And so on Thursday, maybe we can revisit this topic of, of, of the ethics of packaging care, because I think it's a fascinating area. And I'd love to have my mind changed on other contexts in which it feels more appropriate. But thanks a lot for your time. Get you back to work, you lot that have been joining on your lunch break. And for those that are visiting after the fact, apologies for the tech issues this time out. And uh, thanks for joining us on Chewing It Over. I'll see you tomorrow. Let's see if I can get the uh, get the countdown time, not the countdown time, but the fancy outro thing. Let's get that uh, get that working. All right, take care. I'll see you tomorrow.